eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Man, I wish I had the freedom of a European listening to electronic dance music loudly in his convertible. Oh, yeah. so much freedom. (laughs) Ultimate freedom. The convertible and the music. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. I'm just going to have like a neon yellow polo on and my my weird sunglasses that are shaped like Z's. I love it. Somehow. Triangle shoes. Have a a good time with it. Why not? Uh, Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. And we have Hollywood Henry Zabrowski out there. How you doing, buddy? I am clean. I cannot take the name Hollywood Henry Zabrowski anymore. Why Because not? Hollywood's a dirty city filled with secrets, and I am transparent. <laughs> I am transparent. I have no secrets. Everything you need to know about me is at your will. I love burritos. All right. I love weed. I love different types of graphic tees. And I love Spring Heel Jack coffee, which wow. I actually had uh, several pots of so far. And it is very good. Good plug. Poughkeepsie Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> All right. We're on to part two. This is going to be the last episode on this guy, right? Oh, yeah. This maniac, yeah, Robert yeah, yeah, Hansen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going back to Alaska. This guy, he is, you know what I'm going to call him? He's a stooge. He, yeah, stooge That's is a what real he good reminds way of putting me of, it. A stooge. Yeah, I, I, I do the Norm MacDonald. Uh, he's a... Real jerk. He is a real jerk. (laughs) So on our first episode, we began with an exaggerated true crime narration of the final day of Robert Hansen's serial killing career. But on this episode, we're going to tell the truth best as we can from the information available to us. We're going to do that thing we've been trying to do all along. (laughs) I I think that it's important to remember that a lot of times when you get information, it's been trumped up to entertain you. And we're not trying to entertain you today. No. (laughs) If you for a moment feel entertained, we've done something wrong. (laughs) I didn't want you that. I didn't want you to have that experience. What we want you to do, technically, we're going to be popping some bubbles today. And I know that it's not supposed to be fun. The the rumors well, about Robert Hansen are not technically fun. They are not fun. They're not fun. But we are going to pop these bubbles a little bit because he's not quite as evil as he seems. And that's fun. Yeah. Now, one of the things we're going to find out in the conclusion of this series is that the mass media true crime journalism version of Robert Hansen is full of half-truths, assumptions, and gross truncations. No! (laughs) Whoa, wait a second. Can we be sued for libel if you say the word gross truncations? Yeah, it sounds like a weird disease. (laughs) But that's how a lot of these serial killer stories are. Uh, It's not that the Robert Hansen story isn't a good one. It is. 
it's just not movie good. Oh. According to the movie The Frozen Ground, which we yeah. know that for a fact. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yes, they did. However, that didn't stop them from making a movie. <laughs> now, there will be speculation today, but when we do engage, we're going to make sure you know what it is that we're doing. We're going to make sure you know that's what we're doing. Now, when Hansen said that when he started going out and picking up women, he never actually intended to kill them. And <laughs> Air quotes. Air quotes. In fact, quotes. he said it was never the plan to kill any of these women ever, even while his body count was rising. His excuse for everything was that he'd only kill his victims if they didn't do exactly what he wanted them to do. Uh, if mm. things didn't go according to Hansen's fantasy, then that's when things would go south. And this is extremely common among serial killers, specifically ones who prey on sex workers. In order for them to feel okay with what they do, because they do know the difference between right and wrong. Robert Hansen himself said he knew the difference between right and wrong. Oh, yeah. These guys have to essentially create a betrayal that needs to be avenged. You know, that is one thing about bakers. They know the difference between good and bad. <laughs> they do, because one's They're... got a soggy bottom and one has a crisp. They break to it. Oh, you could taste the letters of butter that was put into it because it must be cold when you fell the butter. I'm sorry, being Mary Berry. That, I love that. Uh, but uh, if you want to do yourself a terrible favor and go through the incels world, uh, which I found myself into a deep, deep hole uh, in you're going to see that that's actually a very common thing. This idea of creating a the world is out to get me. This is right. a I, I create all the reasons why uh, I am a terrible person, uh, and th that's kind of what he, what he did. He built this whole story, like what they talk about with the white knights and incels, and uh, uh, the concept of the black pill. The incels; those are people. They're they're virgins, right? Uh, and, involuntarily celibate. That's what incel stands for. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a sad world. I stumbled on it for about five minutes, and then, I, and then I quickly jumped off of it. <laughs> Hans said that throughout his active period, which spanned over a decade, he took over 50 women out into the Alaskan wilderness, and of those 50, 17 committed his version of a betrayal and were murdered. And you might think that because of this, women in the trade would have started talking to each other about the crater face with a stutter. Don't go with that guy. Right. But you got to remember Robert Picton, who racked up a body count more than twice the size of Hanson's over a much longer period of time, was well known in the Vancouver scene as someone who tended to be around when girls disappeared. And yet women still went with him. Mm. Well, you know what it is? There's a lot of losers. That are out there hanging around with the sex workers. There are a lot of weird guys with facial tics or burns or like backwards feet, like guys that have like had bad lives. It's like so they show up and a lot of times they're they're often very vulnerable and they show up to speak with sex workers. And so they know it's just like, well, this guy is kind of weird, but he's not dangerous weird. And he would appear, Robert Hansen would appear different to each woman because a part of it was the the way he attracted them, the way he would build a story around them. And depending on whether or not they were giving into his weird romantic plot that he felt that he was a part of, because sometimes people can read that instinctively in somebody. I believe it's like with, with Robert Hansen, they saw like, oh, this guy's this is his whole thing. He's going to pretend like this is a, a girlfriend boyfriend thing. And I'm just going to take money without mentioning it. And they get away with it. And I imagine that's actually very attractive where it's like this guy. It's like, well, essentially, you can milk this fucking idiot for a bunch of money if you play his weird interior game. I'm just thinking about a guy with backwards feet just sort of one tear in his eye just being like I'm a good person why'd you malign why Why am I being thrown in 
with all of these other people. I just have backwards feet. I never I, wanted to look into the haunted mirror. It was put into my Airbnb by the owner. Poor guy. If you're if you're out there with backwards feet, we support you. Of course. You're a good person. Now, in Anchorage, things were even worse than they were in a place like Vancouver because of the higher turnover in talent. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if these strip clubs had a completely new dancing roster every six months. Mm. And plus, there were a hell of a lot of strip clubs for a town as small as Anchorage. It was about like 150,000 people. It sounds like a great time. It sounds like Kissel, you'd become mayor in like six weeks. Maybe. Yeah. A, a place for a cold bachelor party. <laughs> Besides the strip clubs we mentioned last week, there were still others, like the Wild Cherry Club, Good Times, and the worst name for a strip club Mm. I've ever heard, Murphy's Law. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's good, because a lot of those people are studying to become lawyers, and that's true. Yeah, that is true. Murphy's Law, at least it sets your expectations low. That's anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. No kidding. (laughs) That is is the worst name possible. By the way, in Sheboygan true crime news, uh, they haven't arrested the person who was stuffing 20-ounce cans of of Pepsi uh, down women's uh, toilets, um, but they are looking for him. (laughs) What is this? That's a Sheboygan true crime story. I don't know if we will keep that in or not, but that is happening right now. Austin, they found the bomber. Uh They have not found the toilet stuffer uh, yet in Sheboygan. Wisconsin, so I've been catching up on my Sheboygan, Wisconsin news. <laughs> now, in addition to the prevalence of strip clubs and the high turnover, Hansen was extremely careful when it came to his behavior within city limits. Now, he may have had a low IQ, but like Gary Ridgway, Hansen's intelligence didn't necessarily translate to standardized tests. Oh, they don't standardize test hunting and killing sex workers in the woods. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. That's just the standardized test comes from if you go in a person's house and it looks like a place where, like, if an antelope walked into your living room, it would be violently scared. Like, (laughs) it has to be filled with trophies. Robert Hansen had a full array of disguises, complete with skin adhesives, nail polish, and a fake mustache. But the funny thing was, it seemed like Hansen mostly used the disguises to bolster his self-esteem. Oh, my God. The best part about this is that when I put on the mustache, I could be anybody. Look, I'm I'm the guy from Cheers. Now mustache is off. I'm back to being old stupid Robert. Uh, Oh, put it back on, Robert. Oh, I'm the funny guy from Cheers again. Yes, you are. Now, the disguises did serve the purpose of hiding his identity, but Hansen also had this to say about his fake mustache. Well, I'm not the most handsome guy in the world. I thought it would be easier, as a matter of fact. I even tried to grow one for a while. I could never grow one. I look like a tiny dog when I grow one. I just, I got no middle part. And everyone knows the middle part's the strongest part because, oh, the great Adolf Hitler had such a thick middle part. He did. He he had the old reverse Chaplin going on, huh? Now, while that may be a little goofy, Hanson was actually smart in that he never used overly ostentatious outfits to disguise himself. Just the mustache. It's very difficult to go out and all the girls are like, Hey, um, you may want to avoid the guy dressed as Dora the Explorer <laughs> that shows up in the Jeep. 
You want to come on an adventure with me? Hola. We're going to look at El Mapo and we're going to go all over the world learning about Spanish and my tiny backpack. Nothing to see here. Nothing at all. So he's, he's looking like a Tony Clifton type. <laughs> well, no, he's he would just always dress as something boring. Like he would say he was a doctor, or a lawyer, oh. or a photographer, or something like that. He'd put on like suits and things like that. They would make him look somewhat different each time right. but still nondescript like a spy you know but, that's they say about spies is that spies yes. are the most boring people you could possibly imagine because they kind of just fade into the background they can't tell you the truth mm-hmm. but he's the town baker of 150 150,000 folks mm-hmm. he is the baker yeah don't i mean a must is it is it like a superman situation where it's like there's no way he's got glasses on well that actually comes into play later oh okay. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously, this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go ahead to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because i just moved here to los angeles i got a yard now and i'm doing all the landscaping myself i love working in my garden i love 
planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a pl- Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, oh, it's eaten up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with as little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. Basket. Price Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entry stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game. Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today. And use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Now, Hansen's game was to meet girls in the topless joints, then offer them large sums of money for either nude photography or, quote-unquote, lunch. It probably was lunch, Marcus. <laughs> Maybe. Like, I know it's like, honestly, I know you're saying, quote-unquote, lunch, but it's not like they sat down with plates and pretended to eat sandwiches. They may have actually gone to lunch. I don't know. Well, he'd then make a date where they'd meet again outside of the club, usually at the local Wendy's. That's lunch. That's lunch. <laughs> now, was it, a, was it a Wendy's with the buffet? Do you remember the short-lived Wendy's buffet? No. Well, these are the old school Wendy's, too. Back when Wendy's was a restaurant. When you'd oh. go and they'd come to your table. Do you remember? I remember that, yes. When you'd go and the family would go and it had oak. There was like oak <laughs> tables yeah. and they had the little plush booths. So it and was this, nice. This was yeah, a nice the, lunch. The square patties really did elevate. Yeah. It really elevated the meal. Yeah. You thought now, you were eating an experience, not just a burger. And now it's just chili made out of old patties. Yep. I used to work there. Yum, yum, yum. You're saying <laughs> it like it's bad. I like old patties. I don't mind chili made out of old patties. That's what we do in the. <laughs> but how do you like it out of a cup? Whatever, you know, in the end, I mean, I like chili. 
<laughs> I'm very surprised you'd be so upset about chili because well, I see Marcus said you would be down to whatever chili you could get. For those that don't know, when I worked at Wendy's, I found out it's the day it's the leftover patty, not legal to sell as a burger, <laughs> legal to sell in chili. So that's what they use the use in. Yes, exactly. All right, Henry, I got to admit, I am kind of putting on airs here a little bit. Oh, everyone loves chili. Yeah. No one yeah. believes that you don't like chili, Marcus. You're like the definition of a chili guy. <laughs> Uh, Hanson would get to the Wendy's early and keep his car parked outside and watch the girl arrive, always making sure she was alone. And if she wasn't, he'd call the whole thing off and hightail it out of there. But if the girl came alone, Hanson would set the trap. I will say that's a part of, I believe, his M.O., is that it seemed like he tracked them for a long time. It seemed that the way he would pick them to even get to lunch which was big for him. That was like step five was lunch because he didn't want to spend money on anything. And so finally having to have him settle down, spend some money was a big deal. And so when he, would, he would watch them from the club when he'd meet them and see who they were hanging out with and see if they had a lot of friends. He liked newcomers. He liked people that just got in town because then mm. he knew that they didn't have many connections and would go missing more easily. Is that what that song is all about? They, they talk about the party and then there's a post party, an after party, uh-huh. and then they go to Wendy's. <laughs> is that what that's all about? What? After the party, there's the after party, and then we go to Wendy's. Is this a Joe Walsh song? Is that what this is? No, that is a very popular lyric in a, in a quite successful song. I don't know, man. It sounds like the B-side to Rocky Mountain High. After the party, there is an after party. Then we go to Wendy's. <laughs> All right. I, that's my song, and I'm singing to it. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know that Hanson didn't just pull a gun in the middle of Wendy's, but most likely after lunch or dinner or whatever, Hanson would offer to take the woman to a second location, ostensibly where the photography would take place. Mm. The Arby's, which has a nice <laughs> back wall, like a brick wall that serves as a neutral background. Arby's was legitimately fancy. Yeah. Yes. No, it was. No, Arby's was legitimately fancy. I don't think so. I recall I a cloth. I recall a table. Oh, you mean cloth. the market fresh yeah. sandwiches? No, no. This is way before they sold out and went. Yeah. No, I'm talking the '90s Arby's. KFC was legit fancy back in the day. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what family you're from. We were Waiters so- used to come and bring the chicken to your table. Yeah. At well, Wendy's, you'd get a number and you'd sit. Yeah. What kind of quality we expected? Now we're getting served by kiosks and sixteen-year-olds and fifty-nine-year-olds with horrible pass. Like no, 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 no. I want a fresh burger that's delivered to me with someone on roller skates. Oh. Well, after they went to the second location, or at least Hanson told them that they were going to the second location. Once the woman was in the car, the gun would come out, and it was off to the wilderness. Three months after Joanna Messina disappeared, Lisa Futrell followed. But after that, it was a full year before Hanson would take another victim. See, at this point, Hanson was still in the stop-and-go stage of his killing. He hadn't yet reached the point of full addiction, where more brutal kills were needed more often to feed the need. But he was starting to give himself allowances, and those allowances were what made him evolve as a killer. Hanson said the girls would stay alive until they panicked, but the longer he went on, 
the more he kept putting victims in situations where panic was inevitable. Mm, I thought you were going to say by giving himself allowances, he got the double patty. Then he, he would also get, <laughs> no, also it's not get about the Wendy's it. nuggets, it's not about Wendy's. which is quite, I, I have to stop thinking about Wendy's. That's all you're thinking about. I'm this sorry. I, what you've been thinking about since Wendy's was uttered. You were going through menu <laughs> items little, in your head. Remember, the, remember French fry would fall into the nuggets and you get a little French fry and then you feel like you're it stealing something. It's very tasty and it's a welcome <laughs> it's so surprise, good. but it's got nothing oh to do with God. the story. Wait, Anytime you mix a, a, a French fry in anything that's not supposed to be there, oh, that's a good one. That's a good fry. <laughs> You're a pervert. That no, makes you a fast food pervert. No. <laughs> well, as far as an example goes with Hansen putting a victim into a situation where panic was inevitable, let's look at the case of Sherry Morrow. The night before Sherry disappeared, she had told a friend of hers that a stranger had offered her $300 for an erotic photo shoot. Now, that was big money in 70s Anchorage, so Sherry decided to do it. The next thing she knew, she was in the passenger seat of Robert Hansen's Subaru, riding up to Pioneer Peak along the Connect River to an abandoned lean-to with an ace bandage wrapped around her eyes. Now, for some reason, the ace bandage wrapped around it, because that comes up quite a bit. It, oh, it reminds me of David Bowie from the Black Star video. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I kept thinking about that, too. It's very, it's a very, it's creepy imagery. Yeah. Did you watch that doc yet? The, the last five years, the final five years of David Bowie? Great documentary. You got to check it out. Lovely man. Wonderful shoes, I've heard. I've also heard that David Bowie smelled very good. I had a friend that worked with him on his final musical. Really? Okay. How oh. did he smell? What did he smell like? Wonderful cologne, and that he was always very fun and just easygoing, and he'd smoke yeah. a long cigarette, and he had very, and he always had colorful sneakers. That mm. seemed to be the guy. Yeah. He was much nicer than I expected. I love Bowie. Now the reason Hanson gave for the ace bandage, and this actually makes sense and kind of points towards Hanson telling the truth in some cases, is that Hanson used a had planned to use that spot again. And if Morrow happened to go to the cops afterwards, she could take them to that location, which would give Hanson less squirm room. Mm. But that was also him lying to himself. That this is a, the a thing with Hanson is that his compartmentalizing was so deep because he would say shit like this, acting as if I always intended for them to live. I always thought that this was all going to be a foregone conclusion. We were going to go out there. We were going to have sex. I never wanted to murder them. I'm always putting the blame on them. Right. They are they mm. are the reason why I'm killing them because they are they are not following my rules. The ace bandage it sounds. Sounds like a, 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 a very clean-cut observation to say, I wanted to use the same space, but it's about control. It's about his mm. sexual his sexual drive to have total... Uh, like he can't tell them whatever he wants to do, and he uses them like dolls. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, even if she did get away and go to the police, it was just her word against his. And Hanson had already been taught by the Anchorage Police Department that the word of a sex worker didn't mean jack shit to them. And most likely, the girls he took up there and brought back knew that too. Hmm. But on this trip, things did not go according to Hansen's plan. Hansen got stuck again, and Sherry Morrow took the opportunity and ran out blind with her hands tied Hmm. into the wilderness. Hansen caught up to her, and the way he told it, this murder was done in the same casual manner that you or I would just point a finger. He said he was sitting down, staring at her, screaming, so he just pointed the gun and pulled the trigger. Just thought, well, that's it. I'm done with this one. Jeez. But the Sherry Morrow murder is where Hansen had a couple of actual slip-ups. Now remember, Hansen was a hunter, and there's nothing a hunter like Hansen loves more than a trophy. But mutilation wasn't really Hansen's game. He didn't take mm. the kinds of trophies that, like, 
Ed Kemper did. But it's interesting, but his house still was covered in animal heads. So right. there was a point where he th- he was fine with butchering these animals and chopping the heads off of them and doing all this shit. Because his house was was like in the movie Frozen Ground. It looked just like that with all of different menagerie. It was like from Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> uh, I've never understood. That there's nothing relaxing to me about a bunch of animal heads staring at me as I watch Home Improvement. Yeah. However, when I die, I do demand man to be stuffed and placed into one of your homes for 10 years and another one of your homes for another 10 years and just go back and forth. Oh, I'm fine with that. And you're going to have your eyes replaced with light up eyes that I'm putting you in the backyard. And that that's, will be that's okay. But basically what I'll use it to sit to terrify my future adopted children who will be Asian and they I will tell them that they are just very, very Polish until they grow up to learn that that, that is incorrect. Okay. I will say that every time that they're wrong, every time that they do something bad, I was like, well, you don't want Shadow Ben to come and get you in your sleep. And they're like, where's Shadow Ben, Daddy? And then I go and I turn on the girl eye lights and it's you just standing out in the backyard. Okay, well, you know, that's, that's fair use, I guess. Well, Hanson was far too squeamish to take any sort of physical trophy from his victims, especially considering how he had used guns for all the murders but the first one. And as John Douglas points out, you know, he can't really mount a woman's head on the wall of his rumpus room. Not in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> but Hanson still had to have something. So he ended up taking jewelry and IDs as a way to relive the crimes and to prove to himself that he'd actually done it and that he'd, you know, somehow accomplished something Ugh. just by the sheer act of killing. What an idiot. Now, from Sherry Morrow, Hansen took a distinctive golden arrowhead necklace, and that would be one of the things that would help put Hansen behind bars for the rest of his natural life. Well, that's the thing. He's literally just, he's like, how many things can I take that connect me to this murder? Yeah. It's so stupid, but it's... And uh, the way he hid them, too, were, were pretty boneheaded, but it's very common. It's a yeah, part they, of what... Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at this. You go to vacation. When I go on vacation, I'll take, like, a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, like, from where we are, because it's fun to have the memory. I can I could just see you taping up a huge <laughs> W from the Wendy's that you stopped at and you stole from the side. Like, Get in the my, car, let's go. This is my memory. <laughs> yeah, BTK was well known oh, to yeah. have like a little oh, box with all of his mementos. That, didn't <laughs> he he loved those. Didn't he keep it in like his kid's treehouse? And yes. he'd climb up there and look at it every I once in a while? I think that's right. Yeah, and like but, these guys would cross those boundaries all the time. Like Hanson would sometimes give the jewelry that he took off his victims to his wife and daughter oh that's also very common but it's about control Mm -hmm. it's again i have this whole secret world of wealth and knowledge from experiences that other people don't understand it's the realm of the serial killer where they begin to feel that they are past human being because Mm. they're like i've been to the edge and saw it and now i have a little tinker toy that reminds me of it every single time that's why every time I give a gift of jewelry, I forward on the email receipt. Let them know I bought it from Veramite right here in that Brooklyn, New York. That is very rude. Yes, that would be actually very, very rude. Yes, I don't love, do that. I love Veramite. Veramite. I bought them all out. I bought all the good jewelry out, but that's okay. Now, the other slip-up on the Sherry Morrow scene is somewhat of a rookie mistake in the world of a murderer, but something that's completely normal in the world of the hunter, even if it is a bad habit. 
Hansen had buried Morrow in a shallow gravel pit grave on pretty much the same spot where he'd fired the fatal shot with his rifle. Now, a lot of hunters don't pick up their bullet shells when they're out hunting, especially when they're on the move. With a lot of them, they don't even think about it, and Hansen was exactly that type of hunter. Mm. That habit of just leaving the shells where they lay was the one thing that linked Hansen to the different crime scenes even before he was caught. Is that true? Like, is it is it just common that they leave the bullet shells and that like are they supposed to pick them up? Like, are are there rules for hunting where you're supposed to pick up that kind of litter? I don't know about it's, that. It's you know, it's kind of. I mean, I'm saying that from my own personal experience. Yeah. You know, like if you're kind of like it's kind of a weird thing where if you're using like metal casings, it's kind of like an unspoken thing that you can kind of leave metal casings wherever. But if you're using like plastic shotgun shells, you generally don't want to leave those just lying around anywhere because it's up. it's ugly. You know, you're sure. you're you're uglying up and littering the your hunting ground. If you want to keep it nice and pretty, uh, then you pick up your shit. You are allowed but- to leave all of the Coors Lights that you drink on the floor, though. <laughs> you can keep every can around, just so you know where to go back to. But I just feel like crows use whatever shit it is they find to build a nest, and it's got to make all these crazy. Crazy looking Mad Max fucking has. bird nest made out of bullet casings and shit. That's got to scare yep. cats. I was just thinking about that the other day. What? How birds use tech, uh, new stuff for their for their homes. It's nice oh. houses. They have windows now. You were just now. thinking about that the other day. I was. I really you were was. Just, you were just sitting on a park bench somewhere, no, I was just staring off in a space, thinking no. about bird nests. No, I saw. I was walking and I saw one of those th- uh, a uh, cigarette. You know the uh, the cellophane that goes around. I saw that on the ground. And I said, "Huh, a bird could use that for their nest." It's like a little window. Yeah, it's we- garbage. Pick it up, Kessel. <laughs> no. Well, I didn't. But I did think, oh, a bird could grab that and use that for a window. And I thought how interesting that was. Yeah, because you probably learned that from Planet Earth too, right? Maybe. From the Cities episode. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Do you keep these thoughts in the front of your brain so that the dark soup that's like behind all of it like doesn't come forward to the, the nose and the mouth? No, it's kind of like it's a mix. <laughs> it's a wintry mix. <laughs> <laughs> so, concerning the shell casings, when Morrow's body was found almost a year later, cops had a 223 caliber shell casing as their first real piece of evidence, and the casings were marked in such a way that they knew they could positively match it to whatever gun fired it. All they had to do was find the gun. But between just the time that Sherry Morrow was killed and the time that she was found, Hansen claimed three more victims. Ugh. But when Sherry was found, that's when the official investigation finally began. How many? How long has this been going on? Few years. Oh my! So they ju- they're just beginning to look into well, it. Well, they haven't been finding any of the bodies. Okay. They've at that point the only body that they'd found was a Klutna Annie, mm-hmm. uh, the one who had a been Klutna. Okay. No, we are learning. <laughs> that wasn't even a bad email we got from an Alaskan listener. Thank you for you know, uh, your help. I am yeah. interested in Alaskan names, and yes. I'm interested in Alaskan heritage. I had that some of that smoked salmon vodka. It was pretty damn good. Yeah, it's <laughs> really good in Bloody Mary. I yes. also got this book, Strange Stories of Alaska and the Yukon, and I got. A say there's one thing that they should have been scared out in the wilderness was Jacko the Sasquatch boy. He was out there. (laughs) And we do have proof that Henry has the book because once again he has shown us uh, despite the fact it's a podcast. (laughs) But there it is. There is the book. (laughs) I would love to go to Alaska. We got to do it. Uh, We'd love. Yeah. I mean, actually, someone did get a hold of me that, you know, out of Juno that said they got some contacts in Anchorage. Hey, all right. There we go. Well, the body of Eglutna Annie had been found stabbed to death a couple of years before by a road crew, but the state troopers who were in charge of that investigation had hoped that it was a one-off because they didn't have 
any evidence there. Not really. Right. But now we just, just, just like the detective just be like, well, with any luck, it's a one off. Yeah. And they said, well, investigate the one off. I mean, I mean, we all know how hard it is. Is it possible she just fell <laughs> on a knife like 95 <laughs> times? Can we just say that? It's, because it's, it's cold as fuck as out here. And I'm pretty certain I heard, what's that? Is that Jacko the Sasquatch boy? <laughs> we got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> we got to know more about that guy. But Well, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to blame the troopers on okay. not solving the case of oh, Clutin sure. Annie because, as we know, a serial killing is by far the hardest murder to solve because there's no connection. Right. You know, and usually that's how cops solve crimes, through connections. It's not, you know, the whole CSI effect thing that makes us think that, you know, murders are always solved through fingerprints or DNA or something like that. Right. It's usually not like that. It's usually just a connection that the victim happens to have with the murderer. Also, you have to bring several layers of the government together to investigate a serial killer uh, murders, which we're, we're going to see happens here. And also, at this point, they still believe in the whole drifter theory, that all these girls go in and out of town. When people go missing, they're, I mean, they just moved on. Mm-hmm. They have no real consideration, even though because well, only because it's happened so much before that they, are, they view this as, well, this was obviously something that went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah, but now with two bodies found buried in shallow graves, the troopers' thoughts turned to serial murder. Mm. Now, like it was with a lot of cases in those days, late 70s, early 80s, especially on the West Coast, the cops thought about folding the investigation into the still unsolved Green River murders perpetrated by the still unknown Gary Ridgway. However, since the body was found in such a remote, out-of-the-way location, the troopers figured it had to be a local and that local was about to obtain a position that would give his story the extra juice it needed to be the subject of a terrible movie starring Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. The Frozen Ground. <laughs> produced by 50 Cent. Really? 50 yes. produced that, huh? Uh-huh. God. Even, even by Nicolas Cage standards, he it seemed as if he just did that entire movie over the speakerphone. <laughs> he just phoned he, that thing even by... And I love Nick Cage. Yeah, we all do. But Nick Cage goodness. is one of my favorite actors of all time. He could do anything that he wants. Yes. He's so bored by his own talent. I'm going to so put it bored. this way. He's so bored by his <laughs> he own abilities. He doesn't even use it. He doesn't even use it. And so what he was doing that movie, he was technically trying to be understated, but I think he was just hammered. And yes. also, <laughs> supposing, uh, disappointingly flat and dry angry, yeah. which was like another movie where he really could have let well, go, but he solves all of his problems in the new movie, Mom and Dad. He's very fucking good. Oh, yeah. I loved Mom and Dad. It's a, We've mentioned that before, I think, on the show. Great yeah. new horror movie out there. You can tell when Nicolas Cage uh, when tax season's around. <laughs> because the movies become like, yes, I will accept this role, and I will not try it all. I mean, he is in uh, an immense amount of debt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he spent something like 125000 dollars on an action comics number one he's a cool guy he's living <laughs> our dream yeah, for I mean, us i love yeah. him yeah and he spent all that money buying the most haunted house in new orleans yeah yeah it's cool guy awesome. yeah yeah it's awesome <laughs> what do you think i'm gonna do if i ever had millions of dollars oh my god wait, he's gone yeah. in a second yeah. i'd be having like an actual helicopter hat that would like <laughs> attach to my shoulders and be like look guys i can fly anywhere that all of a sudden it just paralyzes me and i just have to float <laughs> everywhere with my fucking helicopter hat i'm gonna buy a volkswagen baja beetle Ooh, Ooh. that would be fun yeah, yeah yeah it's a dream it's a goal that's very cool beach towel i want a big beach towel <laughs> Uh, near the end of Robert Hansen's killing spree, he perpetrated an insurance scam 
him involving some of his hunting trophies. He told his insurance company that someone had jimmied his door and made off with a bunch of his heads. And of course, it was Hanson himself who had removed them all from his basement and pretty much just stored them in his backyard. Yeah, but I put my mustache on so it was like I was another <laughs> more handsome burglar. <laughs> The insurance company believed him and gave him a payout of $13,000. Oh, my What? For, these <laughs> For just stupid- a bunch of heads? Oh. Uh, taxidermy is a very expensive. It's a very lucrative business. I mean, these uh, it's and it's extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. So you can actually, actually value these heads at a pretty high price. Okay. Now, it's with that money that Robert Hansen was able to buy his very own private Super Cub airplane, the object that to this day made Robert Hansen Alaska's very own tiny little boogeyman. Okay. And the murder wasn't the only crime Hansen committed with his aircraft. Damn near, as soon as he got it, he set off burgling as many remote cabins as he could find, stealing things like generators, radios, and, of course, more chainsaws. Like, I just see this sort of, like, this giddy thing where he's just running through all these cabins, getting to steal as much as he can. Because we also remember the last, in the last episode when he said what he felt like when he was stealing. He felt like he was going to come in his pants. Yeah. So you have a man who is orgasming constantly, stealing and stuff, and flying a plane around. He's like John Travolta. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy. Maybe this is what happens to Harrison Ford when he, when he crashes all of his planes. Maybe he's out there burgling. So this guy, is, he seems like he has zero control. And may I ask, when does he bake? When does the baking <laughs> yeah, happen? the baking happen? He is so well, busy stealing and killing. When's he making muffins? But Hanson did indeed use that plane for murder. Mm. Now, from what I can surmise... The first woman taken out into the wilderness in Hanson's craft was probably Teresa Watson, who disappeared on March 25th, 1983, although we don't know that for sure. But here is where we can really get into the specifics of the long-held claims that Hanson hunted women. First of all, Hanson never said he hunted women, and the forensics don't really show that he did either. The closest thing they had forensics-wise was that his last known victim, Paula Goulding, had been killed by a single gunshot wound to the heart. However, I think that actually serves to argue against Hansen hunting them, at least on purpose. See, Hansen's favorite hunting weapon was, according to his hunting records, the crossbow. Hmm. He hunted with guns sometimes, yes, but when it came to serious hunting, Hansen liked archery. If Hansen truly was hunting these women in the same way he would hunt an animal, he probably would have used something he was more comfortable with. But, on the other hand, he may have just not wanted to take the chance with something less deadly than a Mini-14. That's what I think it is. I think a part of it, there's two things here. I don't think he traditionally... I don't think he actually hunted these women. The reason why they jumped to it is because he left the bullets behind like a hunter would. So he showed the, the they saw a pattern of behavior like a hunter would do, but they were not deep into the woods. It wasn't like they were covered in scratch. Well, a lot of times they were so decomposed that by the time they had found them, they, they weren't really sure what had what were the actions that led up to their death. And also, a crossbow is not nearly as intimidating as a gun. Yep. In terms of the, the, uh, the actual, I mean, sure it is. I'm not saying it's not. I wouldn't be scared. If a man walked in the apartment. Yeah, tell Jason Voorhees that, (laughs) Mr. Zabrowski. 
But I feel like a gun is more immediately controlling. Yeah. And that's why and that's why he had it. And, it, and it's it, an easier way to dispatch somebody when you're trying to basically get it over with. Isn't it also just an issue of convenience? I mean, you can't really have a crossbow at someone's head while you're driving a car or a plane. That is true. You but know? but so, even so, he could have had the like because he had a handgun that he right. would use to take him yeah. out into into the wilderness or to his plane. Uh, but then it could also and he also said that like there were multiple times when women almost got their hands on the guns right? Uh, and he just barely got it away from him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it could go either way. But the thing was, that, like Henry said, like these women weren't covered with like scratches from running through uh, from running through branches or anything like that. Uh, yeah. There was no like blood trails found uh, or anything in Hanson. Uh didn't speak about hunting. Are you telling me all. that the media might have made something up for a story? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. But honestly, I think in this in this time period, yes, I think that that is the mm-hmm. case. Well, most likely, Robert Hansen's murders looked more like this. He took his victims into the wilderness and told them that as long as they stayed calm and played along, they wouldn't get hurt. But of course, when you've got an insane nerd pointing a gun in your face while you're out in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to be likely to believe him. And I'd imagine it'd be damn hard to suppress your flight instinct. Mm -hmm. And so Hansen would force his victims into a terrifying situation. And then when that terror overwhelmed them, they would run. And that's when he would shoot him, convincing himself that it was their fault Mm. that they ran. Now, he never told a story about stalking a woman or following a blood trail or anything like that. It was a game for Hansen, yes, but as far as comparisons to General Zaroff go, it was pretty much just the disdain for their victims that they shared. This was not a most dangerous game type of situation. Okay. No, because when I originally heard this story, I imagined him owning land and it being like some crazy right. shit. But it's like it seems like he it, it was all kind of about convenience and control. And I, I agree with you, Marcus, setting up the circumstances where then the crime was out of his hands. So this is a rare situation where the more research that uh, has been done, the more boring the case almost in a strange way, right? Same thing with Pee Wee Gaskins. It's like, I feel like we got a, a, a tiniest bit of pushback by people saying, well, the story isn't real. What does it matter? But a part of it's about the, yeah. the w- w- what is wrapped into the myth of a serial killer. And when you look at it, what, yeah. I, what we hope to do, I think uh, us it's are sadly most intelligent, which is to say mm-hmm. you don't always... You you can't always believe in these urban myths because a right. lot of times it's people trying to make you scared so that it, you spend more money. Yeah, oh, of course. But of what, course, uh, on the opposite of that, Robert Picton was quite surprising. It yes, seemed like he yes. actually fed people human meat. Yeah. Which, it, that should be a little bit more known. Yeah. Some of these guys are, are much more, are much scarier than you think they are. But for the most part, it is modern myth making. Hmm. You know, it's these true crime shows and even like true crime novelists, like the true crime uh, industry is predicated upon fear. Right. Uh, and that, I think, is uh, completely bullshit. Speaking it's of unfair. fear, speaking of fear, I did just get my subscription to NRA TV. So, guys, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm a going well, to change from here money? on out. No, I did not. No, because I did. I, that was a problem. I was trying to watch some, and you can't, it's all behind no, a paywall. Exactly. No, I don't want... I will never pay to watch Dana Loesch scream at me. <laughs> well, speaking of the bullshit, you know, even the whole story of... Hansen taking these girls by plane to his cabin in the woods is a little off. Mm. Although, in this case, I think setting-wise, this is actually more terrifying. The so-called cabin was actually just a meat shack next to a frame for a tent cabin where hunters would hang moose meat so it could cool down, and hanging it in the meat shack also kept the flies away. 
So Ugh. all in all, we think Hansen only used the airplane three times in the course of his murders, if that. But it was on the fourth airplane trip that Hansen once again underestimated one of his victims. But on the other hand, as we'll see, this last victim once again came damn close to getting no justice just like all the others. So on June 11th, 1983, Hansen propositioned a girl working the streets on 5th and Denali named Cindy Paulson. Hansen offered her $200 for oral sex, far above the going rate on the streets of Anchorage, and he brought her back to his house. Because that summer, Hansen's family was on a trip to Europe. In fact, this was a regular thing for Hansen's wife and kids, as they usually spent summers down in Arkansas visiting Darla's parents, hence the summer project this was also their sort of they would do like a semi-divorce the two of them were were constantly fighting and she didn't understand because essentially at this point robert hansen's baking all day and and at the fucking topless bars all night and doing this like being in and out he's a, a very very strange man darla knows this but she's a good christian woman doesn't want to divorce him so she would separate the family as much as possible and every summer essentially it was like a place to go breathe easy and get away from him it's hmm, crazy you forget he has a family this whole time yeah so that night hansen took paulson down to the basement where he kept all of his hunting trophies handcuffed her and violently forced her to have sex after that he wrapped her neck in a chain locked it to an eye bolt screwed into one of the support beams and left her there overnight surrounded by the heads of his bestial kills the next day, Hansen came down and told her he was taking her out to his cabin in the woods, but he'd be sure to have her back in Anchorage at around 11 a.m. the next day. Mm. He kept her in handcuffs, put her in his truck, and drove her to Merrill Field, where he kept his plane. But as Hansen was loading the plane up for the trip, Paulson barreled out of the open car door and ran as fast as she could. Hansen gave chase, but a security guard at the airport noticed him, and as soon as Hansen saw that someone was looking, he slowed down to a walk, got in his car, and drove away. When he got home, he removed the eye hook and puttied the hole. Cindy, as we said at the beginning of the last episode, flagged down a truck driver named Robert Yunt and told him to take her to the Big Timber Motel. And naturally, he wanted to go to the cops, but when she refused, he dropped her off at the Mush Inn Motel, where she called her pimp to come pick her up. And needless mm. to say, the pimp was pissed. The pimp was more angry than most cops that listened to the story. He freaked <laughs> out. Which he was, was just upset. like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah, and okay. got his gun and were like ran out looking for this this guy that almost killed one of his employees. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ran. He uh, Fucking the, the pimp, whose name is unknown, grabbed his gun and drove to the airport to kill Hanson. But by the time the pimp arrived... Hansen was long gone. Mm. His name was 47 words because there's 47 words for snow and snow is ice cold. Very true. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? 
you know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply.
But thankfully, the truck driver had gone to the police straight after dropping off Cindy. A detective, coincidentally named Greg Baker, was put on the case, and Cindy identified both Robert Hansen's aircraft and his car almost immediately. All right. Might get some justice here. All right, all right. She said a couple of right things first, but let's see how we can make sure she's wrong, boys. (laughs) Yeah, good work, Baker. Oh, no. Well, Hansen was brought in for questioning and went with him, no questions asked, because after all, Hansen had been through this whole song and dance before. He even let the cops search his home, his car, and his super cub without a warrant. Hansen's green Buick sedan mm. held rifle cartridges, ace bandages, surgical gloves, and a shitload of Conway Twitty tapes. I nicknamed my car Guilty because it proves <laughs> that I'm guilty. Do you get my joke? Good Lord. Conway Twitty, by the way. Let's not malign Conway Twitty We're here. not maligning Conway Twitty. He, also, in, he was also a big Dolly Parton fan. Well, Dolly's the best. I got into a little bit of a Travis Tritt hole the other day. <laughs> oh, got did little, you? Yeah. I don't like Tritt hole. I don't Tr- like Travis Tritt hole. Yeah, he has rice cooking in the microwave, so he's a working man. <laughs> It's a good, great day to be alive. It's a great song. But the bullets and the bandages in the car were easy enough to explain away, and even the gloves couldn't be connected to the kidnapping. Ugh. Not really. The house, though, was a different story. When cops searched the basement, they found that it was exactly how Cindy had described it, right down to where the foosball table was located. After oh, of the s- course he had a foosball table. <laughs> now, after the search and the questioning, Hanson was put in a lineup and Cindy immediately picked him without hesitation. But once again, Robert Hanson had an alibi. He had two friends say that he'd been with them all night fixing an airplane seat. Uh, honestly, it's the weirdest. It's such an Alaskan way to hang out. He said yeah. that he spent four hours building an airplane seat, and then he went to another guy's house where they continued to work on an airplane seat. It's such a <laughs> and that just, if that's not an alibi for murder, they are having gay Alaskan sex. It's which possible. they could just have. If, they, if that was the yeah. case, that would have been fine. Yeah, fixing an airplane seat is a good euphemism for <laughs> some bear love in Alaska. Both of these men knew they were lying, but Hansen had asked him to do this as a personal favor to get him out of what he had called, quote, an awkward situation. Oh, my God. Yeah, awkward. He is so adorkable. No one had said that Robert Hansen's adorkable yet. Got a lot of people. When we posted a picture of Robert Hansen, there's a lot of weird women in our Instagram who said that he's handsome. I know. I, I don't like to get I, into that. I was that. very surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to get into that no, whole thing. No, no, no. Yeah. It's disturbing. But then there was the matter of Hansen's criminal record. Because remember, he'd been picked up a few times before, and you'd think the cops would look at the criminal record and be like, holy shit, this guy has done this before. Let's really go at him yeah. hard. But the APD was in the process of transferring their records into a new computer system. So when they checked Hansen's name, nothing came up because right. his record hadn't been to, his record was like in the crack in between being transferred from the old system to the new system so, so as far as they knew Robert Hansen's record was 100% clean Secretary Debbie I'm going to read and shout to you what I'm reading on the paper here <laughs> okay. and then you type it into the computer okay that's easy uh, there okay. that's real easy Gary Coldman <laughs> age 48. Is it cold, man? Cold, man? It's like it's cold in here. And I, yes. because I'm, a, I'm in the room, I'm also a cold man. K. C. I. No. F. 
Anyway, I never learned to do any of this. She's 49. <laughs> so at this point, the cops started to call Cindy Paulson's credibility in the question. And they started asking her to take a polygraph test. Of course, she was insulted. She got pissed off. She refused. She said, you know, if, if you don't believe me, if you can't take what I've already given you by giving you a full description of the car, the right. plane, and the basement, plus all the injuries, she's like... What's I've had enough. Word? I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're you're not going to believe me, so mm. I'm just going to leave. She obviously also had a very bad relationship with the police officers. She was obviously. a sex worker, and they uh, they were oh, constantly at odds, like the, the two communities, because they just wouldn't let them live in peace, essentially. They couldn't work, and the police officers had no respect for them, and so that's why she couldn't be, she couldn't figure out, like, like she just didn't want to be involved in the yeah. investigation. So the investigation was closed. And wow. that might have been the end of it, giving Robert Hansen permission once more to kill. So you think if he ended here, no more kills, you think he just skates? No, 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 no. Okay. that's not what happened. Okay. Thankfully, Cindy Paulson's case made its way over to the Alaska State Troopers, the true super cops in this story. Hey, all right. One of the investigators at the APD, Maxine Farrell, made sure the file landed on the desk of Lyle Hogsfin. <laughs> Don't mess this with guy. Hogsfin. This guy. Uh, Hogsfin was the one in charge of the Sherry Morrow case. Remember Sherry Morrow? Her body had been found with one of Hansen's shell casings less than a year before. So Hogsfin started looking into this Hansen fella, especially where Hansen was flying. Problem was, Hansen never reported his real registration numbers to the people in the tower at Merrill Field, so they never really knew where he was going. Because mm. Hansen didn't actually have a pilot's license wow. because he'd been denied one when he did his application a few years before and wrote down that he took lithium for bipolar disorder. So they're like, yeah, we're not giving you an airplane. Okay. Now, lithium was like an old school way of handling bipolar disorder, right? Or is it still around? It's still around. I took it briefly. But it's like, a, it's got very intense side effects, right? It can, yeah. Did can you try a- to get a pilot's license while you were on it? <laughs> it seems like it would be super fun to be hopped up on lithium and fly to plane. Oh, you're not hopped up. You're way down. Oh, it's you're down, way huh? down. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you're way down, and it makes your penis no work, right? Uh, no, I was my penis was still fine. Well, you're very horny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, there was only one medication that made my penis go away. You know for what? A it's while. just a segment that we don't even have to have on the show. How <laughs> is Marcus? Asking, I'm weird. asking questions. <laughs> okay. Well. What, how Hansen got around not having a license was that he painted the ID numbers on his plane too small to see from the tower. And when the flight tower was like, mm. you know, like, breaker, breaker, we can't see the numbers on your plane, Hansen just gave them the numbers of other planes, and the tower was like, all right, sounds good. And the extra right. stupid thing about this is that Hansen wasn't even bipolar. Yeah. He just lied his what? way into it during one of his many psych evaluations during his prison stays, and he just sort of gone along with it ever since. But I actually think that he switched this, he flipped this and reversed it to, to his advantage because now he had a cover for any sort of strange behavior. Oh. Uh. Do you remember when you were a kid? Tell me if anybody else did this because I was obsessed with having glasses as a little kid, and Jackie said the same thing, and I know a lot of the people had the same thing, where you kind of lie about it because it gives you like a, a personality for yeah. some reason when you're searching for something to to label yourself as and you have no idea what it is you start being like because I thought my braces were cool I thought it'd be cool to have braces and then I got them and then it was the worst four years of my fucking life of which no <laughs> pictures exist yeah that is embarrassing <laughs> well after a while 
the dots started to connect with Robert Hansen. In September of 1983, troopers found the body of Paula Goulding in a location off the Connect River that was accessible only by boat or aircraft. Here, they found another 223 shell casing fired from the same gun that had killed Sherry Morrow. And that is when state troopers assigned the Connick River murders to the true super cop in this story, Glenn Flothy, oh. a tall, gawky, eternally rumpled man who was just born to be played by Nicolas Cage. Did you say James Comey or Glenn Flothy? <laughs> Glenn Flothy. Oh, okay. Well, Flothy's definitely a backup quarterback's name, oh, which yeah. is nice. He got to be in the front seat, and he got to do it. Well, Nicolas Cage was technically an amalgam of all of these cops into one man that was supposed to be the sure. bravest man on the force. <laughs> but he I, still I, was I, called Flothy. Like, he still was Glenn Flothy in the movie, right? No. No. He's not Glenn Flothy. It's a made-up name. It's just a guy's <laughs> name that they just assigned to him. I don't know why they did this. Glenn Flothy was a was the example of a guy that, like, he nerded his way into being a super cop. Yeah, like he it. was the exact coin flip side of Robert Hansen. He was a weird, gawky dude who loved details, and he understand, I, like, instinctively, he kind of accidentally found his way into the troopers by essentially testing really well, and they were like, mm. okay, we'll get you in here, and then they found his dogged persistence-ness, persistence Persistence-ness. Persistency. Persistence <laughs> was what made him a great cop, and he—he's the one who put all of the the evidence together for the first time and started seeing what was happening. Glenn Flothy sounds like a guy who's like, I would have been a singer songwriter if singing didn't mean that you were possessed by the devil. Uh, so I went into the uh, I went into the law enforcement field instead, and I have a lot of respect. Well, Flothy was a true crime nerd that right. just happened to get into it. Like he he said his interest first started is that he just his local bar happened to also be the local bar of like a bunch of cops and like investigators oh. so he started hanging out with him so it literally started with like I could drink like a cop <laughs> if I can drink like a cop maybe I could just be she, a cop oh so you're just to be a cop you just don't be with your family oh that's great that's <laughs> easy that. yeah. well cause Flothy used to go and hang out and because what do cops love more I know this for a fact because family of a cop they love telling long Yarns. Oh, and yeah. They love finding a new dude that is <laughs> eager to hear long yarns because then he's a great companion. And so, he, because he didn't talk a lot, he was a great listener. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, and yeah, as Henry said, he was the first one to actually look at the big picture. And he started looking into the numerous sex workers who had been reported missing in the Anchorage area in the few years previous. And when all was said and done, he had a victim matrix of 10 names. Then he started looking into the victims themselves. He found they were all in their 20s, were all between 5'4 and 5'7, were generally busty, had all worked as topless dancers, and had all made high-paying dates with strangers right before they'd gone missing. Hmm. All right. Flothy is on to something. Flothy's very much on to something. And then he hit busty five times, though. He did, they all say the word busty quite a bit in terms of the, uh, the women that they describe of Anchorage. Now, Butcher Baker loves the word busty. <laughs> that, book was, that book was apparently horrible, though, you guys The book's said. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Not that, good book. It's yeah. got about six adjectives all throughout the entire thing, mm. and busty is definitely one of the favorites. I see. And then, in mid-September... Flothy and Hogsman joined forces. And from that moment forward, Robert Hansen's fate was sealed. All right. See, by this time, the records had been fully transferred over, so the troopers finally knew the full extent of Hansen's past crimes. All right, yeah, Deborah, like, I've got what? A, Deborah, I've got <laughs> the name Robert 
Hansen. Handsome. A- <laughs> no, not ah. We just F- gotta get the name. I <laughs> seven. No, no, no. Why would there be a number in his last name? Can I stop working here? <laughs> Now, there were some cops within the APD who felt like the department had completely fucked up on the Cindy Paulson case. It's not like the entire APD was full of bad eggs because one of those guys, Greg Baker, he was appalled at how the APD had handled it. So he joined forces with the other two guys, with Flothy and Hogsfin. And the trio went after Hanson hard. I'm also going to say, if you listen to footage of Greg Baker talking about Cindy Paulson, he is in love with her. Yeah. And I I have a whole side plot in my own mind. There's no evidence (laughs) for it. But Greg Baker, if you watch any of these documentaries, the way he talks about Cindy Paulson was like, she was just the last that needed a prince to fight a dragon. <laughs> and he went out there. He was obsessed with Cindy Paulson. He was he went out of his way and and talked with her about the case and was talking with her on the side. And he was like, I could get you a nice little apartment. Like doing like very get, getting really into it. And he sort of looks like me if I was a cop. So I can <laughs> see there was actually a really cute love story in there. Also could have been done by Nick Cage. <laughs> like in the movie, um, the Cap- Lotto movie. The Lotto movie, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. That's the World War II Italian Mandolin movie. There's yeah. the other one movie the called like, You what Can't was that Take called? It With You. You what leave was- everything to me, or like you can't take it with you, or uh, everything something. has its place. It's like it's him. It's the it's the, uh, a blonde lady who's busty. There, that is true. There's and a lot of yeah. he, he had a lotto ticket and he split it with the waitress and he's the cop. What's the name of that movie? Lucky Number One or something like that? Or L- yeah, I'm your guy. Let live. Uh, well, uh, Lotto. It could happen to you. It, it could, could happen, happen to, you. to you. Was it sponsored by the New York State Lottery Commission? <laughs> and he plays a police officer. He plays so many police officers. For a man who's been arrested, he understands how cops work. <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> well, since it had been months since the original investigation, Cindy had been in the wind. But due to the diligent efforts of a vice cop known only as Genteel, the troopers found Cindy and convinced her that they were finally going to take down Robert Hansen. Take him down. Hello, Cindy. My name is Officer Genteel. Would you like a (laughs) monogrammed handkerchief? I would. Then I will solve your murder. Very good. Very good. You pass the test. All right. The cops kept an eye on Robert Hansen from then on. Although the way Greg Baker talks about Mm. the surveillance, it makes the whole thing seem just like confusingly weird. This Greg Greg Baker, he's a weird guy. Like, listen to this. Listen to this interview of him talking about the surveillance. One morning I was driving by and I needed to get some donuts for the shift. Mr. Hansen was there (laughs) and he had a, uh, a window that he stood in and decorated cakes and cupcakes and cookies and I remember watching him he kept looking up at me and you could tell he was nervous and he kept putting frosting on his thumb and I liked that do we know he's not a cartoon bear (laughs) (laughs) he looks like a cartoon bear (laughs) he sounds like a cartoon bear he is a cartoon bear (laughs) 
I needed to get donuts for the meeting. I had to because if not, oh, the way we would beat each other with our batons. But then he'd put it all on his finger. And I was like, oh, that's a treat. It makes a finger of cupcake. And then you think maybe people are just cupcakes walking around. You're just like, mmm, cut them open. You've lost your sense of humanity. (laughs) (laughs) But what the cops really needed more than anything else was to get into Hanson's house. What they needed was Mm -hmm. that mini 14. However, they couldn't get a search warrant based on Cindy Paulson's word because Hanson had an alibi. So Flothy threw a Hail Mary and a pretty damn resourceful and forward-thinking one at that. Flothy called up the FBI Behavioral Sciences Unit in Quantico Mm. and asked for their help. Now, it's hard to know exactly who to give credit to on this one. The book Butcher Baker says the guy who cracked it, or at least was a major part of it, was Roy Hazelwood, one of the founders of the program. But Mindhunter by John Douglas gives all the credit to who else but John Douglas. I mean, he wrote the book. (laughs) Right. Now, this is one thing I've found again and again throughout all the years we've been spending studying serial killers. John Douglas really likes to take credit for shit he may or may not have done. Hmm. More than once, I've read a source that names another person in the BSI as being the main contact, but when I cross-reference that with Mindhunter or one of his other books, it's a lot of I, 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 me, me, me. Well, it's easy to tell the story. <laughs> they are calling from his offices. So, and then when if you're the commanding officer, right, was he the commanding officer? I believe so. I think you take all the you take all the credit, right? Essentially, because it's like my my people did it. No, so it's uh, like he, I did I don't it. Know. No, no, no. He makes it sound like specifically he did it all. I do love the idea of Marcus cross referencing, cross referencing his cross referencing, and then being like, and finally, I've concluded it, it is Whopper Wednesday. <laughs> it is indeed a Whopper Wednesday. I have circled it. Note the W for Wednesday. He may have done this with the permission of these other agents who may have not wanted to or not cared Mm. to be in the book, or he may have just been doing it to simplify the narrative at the request of the author. That happens Mm. sometimes. But just remember, while John Douglas is brilliant, talented, and one of the reasons why serial killers aren't as prevalent as they once were, he also isn't necessarily the one-man superbrain powerhouse that he claims to be. Okay. Yeah, he's no Beck. <laughs> Ooh, Beck, Scientologist, I believe. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go be. Uh, I'm gonna go see Beck at uh, Madison Square Garden nope. here pretty soon. Really? Oh, yeah. cool. Oh. Very good issue. Uh, he's just uh, he's indoctrinated, and he loves yelling at asteroids, and we can't take yep. that from him. <laughs> No, absolutely no. not. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lifelong Scientologist. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was born into it, so you can't really blame him. But can't blame him. You know what? I don't care. Could have gotten out. Well, yeah, sure. Well, either way, Detective Flothy called up Quantico and asked for their help in putting together something to juice up a search warrant, which had never actually been done before by the BSI or anyone else. They'd mm. never used a profile to get a search warrant. And here's where things get really interesting. Flothy described both the murders and the kidnappings to the FBI agent, whoever it was. And just from that, the FBI came up with this profile. Dude, it's, it's gr- it is fucking like, I don't know how they did this shit. Like, I want to <laughs> go back. I, I have to read this section in Mindhunter and really like, go into how they break this down. But they fucking nailed it. Really? Yeah. A unique time? Usually they don't. 
They said the suspect likely had a speech impediment oh. of some kind, probably a stutter, and probably had skin problems as a teenager. Hmm. They said he is an exceptional hunter, and while he is married, his wife is probably religious and is completely oblivious to her husband's wrongdoings. They said he was probably a successful businessman and an upstanding member of the community. And as far as the MO went, he probably had a murder bag complete with disguises, and he probably took trophies. Wow. And he probably played a lawful good mage in any sort of campaign because he's, a, he's one of those guys who does all the boring abilities like being a healer or being a pyro guy who attacks the first wave of enemies from afar. Hey, all right. Yeah, and fuck, this profile, I mean, it blew Flothy's hair right the fuck back. Wow. He couldn't... <laughs> I love that. I just love that fucking term. I can feel my cholesterol getting higher and higher. I'm so excited. And there were other things coming in as well. The troopers had started to compare tire marks outside and near the remote cabins that had been burgled mm. and compared them to the tires on Hanson's plane and found that they were a match because Hanson was the only guy in the area that had a plane with those types of tires. Wow. So essentially, the, the net is slowly circling. Robert Hansen's getting more and more nervous, becoming more and more like Mr. Bean in the fucking bakery, <laughs> knocking over muffins. Like, those are like, oh, Robert's never been clumsy with the croissants before. And he's just wow. like, it's fine. It's just going to be Bastille Day soon. And we need to make sure there's enough croissants for the parade. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Then, finally, a woman recognized Hansen when she went into his bakery to apply for a job. And so she came forward. And with that, the burglaries and the profile, the search warrant for Hansen's house was finally granted. All right. After searching all day, one of the cops, a Lieutenant Kasnick, climbed into the attic to sift through the fiberglass insulation in a last-ditch effort to find the murder weapon. Because they'd searched this whole goddamn house and hadn't found anything. But that was also a part of how his alibi fell, fell apart, too. So the cops all showed up. They picked him up at the bakery. He came in a little bit late. He had his fucking baker's hat on. They arrested him. They put it into a thing, and he knew what was happening. The wife was home. These bunch of cops showed up. They raided the whole house. She has no idea what's going on. The wife of his neighbor rolls over and says, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, Robert Hansen's being booked for murder. Like, she just <laughs> wow. told this woman, because it's like, it's this fucking anchorage, and she's like, oh, yeah, um, my husband never hangs out with him. Anything that he says <laughs> to you is a lie. And so he just threw her husband under the bus, just being yeah. like, fuck this. Like, yeah. what is happening here? Wow. And the husband was out, like, doing a job, because he was a contractor who also, like, built boats on the side, and it actually yeah. built a boat for Robert Hansen. Hmm. He was up in King Salmon working oh. another job, and his wife's calling him up and saying, oh, you need to get the fuck home, and you need to, <laughs> and you need to clear this up. Right now, right. and he's like, right and he's now. like, I'm not coming home. I'm working a job. I'm providing for this family. If they get an affidavit, then yeah, I'll come home. But I'm not coming home before then. Hmm. And so the cops, in the last possible place they could look in the house, in the back corner of the attic, they found the treasure chest. Ooh, in a hollowed out cache. Cops found Sherry Morrow's arrowhead necklace, hmm. a pistol, a 522 rifle, and the coveted. 223 caliber mini 14. Nice. Finally, the cops had in their possession hard evidence that tied Hansen to at least two of the murders. I was really hoping it would have been a cake in the shape of a mini 14, and then they cut into it and it is the mini 14. 
hiding in plain sight. But the best part about this is that now I don't have to go get donuts for the meeting. <laughs> yeah, we got to eat, eat around the evidence. But the most disturbing discovery was still to come. In that box, cops also found a map of the Anchorage area marked up with a whole bunch of X's. At this time, Hanson was only attached to four murders in the area. And when I cops mean, only uh, <laughs> quite, yeah. a, quite a bit comparatively yes, only. Yes. And when cops cross referenced where those bodies were found to the map, they saw that there was an X on each one of those locations. Mm. But those four weren't the only X's over the entire map. There were 20 more. Jeez. Each one seemingly corresponding to the grave sites of then unknown victims. But a lot of those victims corresponded with Flothy's victim matrix. Ooh. And that's when the bottom fell out of the alibi as well. The guy finally came back home and the cops told both of them because there were two guys that were in on this alibi. He told but they told both of them. It's like, listen, you're going to be summoned to a grand jury. You lie to us. It's no big deal. Never you seen Robert them. Hansen before in my life. Never. <laughs> did a gun. We've never hung out. I've never bought a donut. He's a murderer. He's a fucking murderer. Oh, they washed their hands of him as fast as they could once it came imagine. out once it came out it's like oh we found a lot of evidence of murder you're gonna be grand jury yes. you lied to them it's gonna be perjury and you're gonna do a hard time so oh. they're just like nah detective flothy i don't even know how to put together an airplane seat i never <laughs> even saw a seat i don't sit in chairs i stand the human body is actually not built to sit if you look at diagrams from eastern asian philosophies they believe that squatting and lying down is the only way for a human to rest but also this is the power of free baked goods remember yeah. this again all of this happened because no one wanted to ruin their connection to the good bakery wow <laughs> and so on february 16th 1984, Hansen's attorneys called the prosecution and told them that Hansen was ready to, quote, clear the decks. All right. Just as it had been with the great bus bar and caper back in Iowa, Robert Hansen offered to plead guilty and confess just so long as his family was spared the publicity of being attached to the worst serial killer in Alaskan history. What if I just plead guilty to burning down the bus barn again? Can I, <laughs> I do burned that? down the bus barn. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about it. Okay? The murders. You're I stole to... a belt. No, I not the belt. Not the... Is that what you Conf... want to hear? No, the murders. Really? That's the sticking point here. Well, in exchange for all that, Hansen gave investigators bodies. And goddamn, does it sound like he was creepy when he did it. Oh, God. Hansen sure. was taken out to each specific spot on his map by helicopter and was told to show the troopers at least approximate spots. But when they let Hansen loose, they found that he was amazingly agile moving through the wilderness, making it hard for them to even keep up. It's Han almost like he was trying to escape. Well, no, they Maybe. had they had a trooper out there with a very high-powered rifle okay. pointed at him at all times. Oh, ready to shoot him down if he tried. Now, Hansen would bound through the snow on the way to each burial site like a dog. And when he found the site, he'd get down on his hands and knees and start digging in the snow with his tiny little paws. Oh There's God. obviously a disconnection inside of himself. Uh, from uh, any sort of like human behavior, like there's like a thing inside where he became excited because he took it all like it's very similar to Henry Lee Lucas when they went out to go looking for all the bodies and they treated it like it was a fucking party where he was walking out there and it was fun for him. He's joking around. He's like, "Oh, I know all of this places." With oh yeah, I'm all, I'm out here all the time. And they're like, "Yeah, buddy, we found a map 
with 27 fucking axes on it of bodies we put out here. We Jesus. know you're aware of the territory. <laughs> <laughs> well, since it was February, though, the ground Uh-oh. was too frozen to dig. Whoa! <laughs> I get it. That's frozen ground. Wow. Oh, I wondered why in the movie they never did that, where the guy with the shovel just hit a bunch of ground, being like, do you know what it is? The guy like <laughs> nods for two minutes, just like is it the title yes. of this shitty movie that we're in? <laughs> so since the ground was frozen, the cops marked each spot by spray painting nearby trees. And when they came back in the spring to those marked spots after the ground had thawed, they found that Hansen had picked the exact right spot every time, and mm. each body was found by digging only one hole. On that day alone, Hansen led them to 12 bodies, some in locations that he hadn't been to in over two years. Mm. Then, after a hell of a lot of hamming and hawing for some reason, Pope and Young revoked all of Hansen's hunting records. Well, you're going to tell us that he didn't hunt them? That he didn't (laughs) kill the 34th largest black bear in the competition? Because it's a fact. It is a a fact. You're going to make us deny it? Wow. That must have hit home for Hansen. Having all of the records expunged. And so on February 27th, 1984, Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years in prison, plus life. When asked what he was going to do in prison, he said, I want to become a writer. What I plan to do is get experience by writing humorous stories. Then I'll, I'll write my own story, the story of a man who loses his wife and has to move in with two of his silly cousins and the cute kids all. And you know that house, it was so packed. It was like a, it was full of laughter and love and learning. Oh my god, this guy. But it wasn't to be as Hansen spent most of his time as a prison barber. Oh. Now we have a little bit of inside information here. One of our listeners apparently had a shitty cousin who did Mm. some time in Seward Correctional with Hanson. Mm. The shitty cousin said that all the prisoners considered Hanson just a sweet old man that they all referred to as Grandpa Bob. Oh, yeah, he was really sweet. What a sweet old man. So finally, just a few years ago, on August 21st, 2014, Robert Hanson died of natural causes, still married to Darla, who never moved on after the heartbreak of unknowingly being married to the worst serial killer the Great White North has ever seen. Wow, she stayed married to him. I mean, it could be a whole Christianity thing Maybe. where it's like you never you never divorce no matter what. All right. Well, there it is, the story of Robert Hansen. You know, we don't even need the hunting aspect of it. The story itself is interesting. Yeah, the story well, yeah, itself is interesting and creepy yes. as fuck. Yeah. yeah. And I also want to give a huge thanks to research assistant Annie Powers, who is invaluable in putting together all the information and misinformation on Robert Hansen. And speaking of Thank Annie you. and things that she's helping us out with uh, as far as far as research Ooh. goes, we got a big announcement. Are we, we do. doing the big announcement? We're doing the big announcement. Fall of 2019, the last book on the left, 
Serial killers. We're writing a book. We are writing a book. <laughs> we are, um, and I'm going to tell you what. Um, I got shoe. I got new shoes for it. He did. I got my. I got my socks. I got my writing book socks. I got that, like you know, those wooden bead covers you put on a, a car chair. To yeah. Make it, the car seat to make it feel car chair. What am I? If I got car chair. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> but it's like I got that for my writing seat here, so that I'm extra comfortable when struggling. Yeah. Because of what I will say it is foreign and difficult to write a book i'm getting i'm getting used to like ugh, saying that but it is kind of fun though is that i get to, every once in a while like i'll go and i'll just type in a whole page of all work and no day make henry go crazy like i do the, the shining <laughs> thing and it's fun yes mm-hmm. i've got new soft me. pads for uh my chair's uh, armrests very nice you oh. should get a gel thing for your mouse pad i'm gonna have to actually get a gel Carpal thing tunnel. i'm yeah. having to get a gel thing for my keyboard cool. uh, because yeah we're we're gonna be we're writing it right now uh it's we're going- uh, we're trying to we're looking for an illustrator you yep. know like a comic book artist to to work out all because it's going to be pretty illustration heavy like kind of mm-hmm. a mad magazine type of thing so we're you know we're still looking for a guy uh or a gal right now mm-hmm. uh but we'll you know announce that once we find him we Absolutely. are putting our stamp on the world of serial killers and it will never come off it'll be a <laughs> and that's <laughs> the fun part yep it'll be a serial killer book it should be a yep. it'll be uh we're trying it's interesting trying to transition the podcast into book form yeah, yeah so yeah. We're, we're it's a learning process and uh so thank you all so much for making that possible without you yes and the community we wouldn't be uh having this opportunity and so thanks uh, everyone who's given to the patreon and um, uh, yeah just everyone i also want to give uh, some thank yous to some people who've sent us some cool stuff in the mail oh my god that beef jerky oh the beef jerky the we got to say a thank you first of all oh my to god. let's hear lynn hoagland oh who sent god. us some amazing beef jerky that very good fucking destroyed uh i'm i'm putting off getting into the weapons grade stuff that Ooh. you sent but you know i'm saving that for a special occasion such good so, jerky thank you i would like to thank mm. danger and mayhem designs elise over there for uh making us some really awesome handmade jewelry she made a yes. she made a little pen for travis that's like a name tag and it says hello my name is titties oh that's i'm oh, sure travis is so it. happy that that nickname that henry gave him stuck <laughs> I also want to uh, thank a listener out of Anchorage, actually, a guy named Dan, who sent us a copy of Butcher Baker, actually, while we were in the middle of uh, recording it. Uh, And he has a few, he wrote a fantastic letter, and he has a few questions for us. Uh, So first he asked me, Mr. Parks, in your opinion, what is the best recorded drum solo in the history of rock and or roll? Uh I'm going to say Jump in the Fire by Harry Nilsson, because it fits into the song perfectly, actually adds to it, and does not bog it down. Wow. It goes on too long and it's just, you know, it's masturbatory. But in Jump in the Fire, it's an actual part of the song that actually adds to it and fucking and segues into that awesome bass line that. But what Led Zeppelin, Black Dog? That's a pretty good one too. But nope, Jump in the Fire. Come on! All right. Most controversial thing that's ever been discussed uh, here. Mr. Zabrowski, if you could party for one night with any serial killer from history, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, serial killers. They're always the weird ones. The serial killers are hard to hang out with. They're not as fun. I guess technically would have to be Charles Ng. Wow. <laughs> and finally, Mr. Kissel, if you could 
if you had to kiss one part of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's body, mm-hmm. what would it be? Follow-up question, would you kiss it light and teasingly or with the unbridled passion of a young lover's heart? Uh, well, um, oh my God. I think I would have to kiss his neck uh, with a lot of passion to turn him back into a turtle. <laughs> That's what I would do. And finally, uh, we would like to say thanks Serial Saints over at SerialSaints.com for making uh, prayer candles out of the three of us oh. and for doing that wonderful yes. portrait of uh, Wendy as a saint. Thank oh, you yes, so that's much. Incredible. I, want the, I want that picture for my home. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for everything. Uh, that is such a, those candles are great. Yeah, they're awesome. They're we really have, cute. Here in the studio. So, let's see, do we have a shirt that we want to talk about too? Do well, we have a, well, we, we uh, have the new Hungry Ghost Press shirt, yes. which I believe sold out immediately. That, that shirt is awesome, yeah, by it's the way. So, yeah, it sold out immediately, but everybody who, uh, or who still wants to grab that shirt, we have another print run coming up because they did both shirts and awesome poster prints. Yeah. Uh, but they're working on uh, new ones right now, so we think we're going to have more here in like a month or so. Cool. So uh, yeah, like just keep posters yeah just follow you know keep looking at our twitter to see when those are back in stock or just go to hungry ghost press uh i think it's hungryghostpress.com uh to check out all of their stuff i love hungry ghost i've got like you know three of their pieces of art up in my house you know we've got some hungry ghost stuff here in the studio we love what they do so please support hungry ghost press all right so uh follow us on follow us on twitter yep. at henry loves you at marcus parks have been kissel follow us on instagram at dr fantasy at marcus parks have been kissel the number one yes. and follow us on all of the horseshit at LP on the left. That's it. And keep on supporting all the shows here on the last podcast network. We got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I mean, every show is great. So just check it out. I know uh, some people were um, emailing saying they're all done with last podcast and what other things just peruse the site. Top hat for politics, page seven entertainment movie song with the mads. we got uh, Frank and trace from movies. What was it? Mystery science theater 3000. They're funny. <laughs> That's what I say. So hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Hail me now. Magustalations. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka golden ticket is all mine.